From India's largest newsroom, I'm Meenal Baghel and this is the Times of India podcast. The rupee has been close to its um, all-time low, uh, close to 77 to the dollar. Yes, it has breached 76.92, which was the low we had touched in April 2020, you know, when uh, the corona pandemic had just about started. And uh, of course, there has been Reserve Bank intervention. Some experts feel the rupee could continue to weaken and even hit 80 rupees to the dollar. The fall in the value of the rupee against the dollar might seem something like only economists and policymakers have to worry about, but Madan Sabnavis, who is chief economist at Bank of Baroda, explains how the fall in the value of the Indian currency is something that will affect every single one of us. When the rupee depreciates, almost every commodity that is imported by the country automatically is bought at a higher price. and there is a transmission which takes place into the domestic price and accordingly we see higher domestic inflation from the point of view of individuals i think a depreciation in the rupee will automatically mean that all the goods which are imported will be costing more second in case as individuals we are looking in terms of any kind of travel education anything to do overseas we will automatically have to pay mm. a higher rupee cost for the dollars or euros which we are purchasing as far as the markets are concerned they are always self reinforcing the moment the rupee starts depreciating there is normally a bit of a negative sentiment which comes into play and automatically we see that the pace of depreciation actually starts increasing because of the turmoil which is there we have seen that the dollar has been strengthening because the us is the anchor currency for all practical purposes it's a kind of a global phenomenon that whenever the dollar appreciates all other currencies tend to weaken and we have become a part of that in case the supply of dollars suddenly comes down and this is happening on account of the foreign portfolio investors moving out of emerging markets including india so when there is an outflow of dollars from the country automatically we see that the demand goes up and the supply which was positive turns negative and accordingly we see that the rupee starts weakening on account of higher price of crude our import bill has gone up which means that our trade deficit has widened these are the fundamentals which have caused the rupee to depreciate in this episode i speak with madan sabnavis and shugata ghosh who writes on economy banking and finance for the economic times about how a falling rupee hits india's economic growth in a year that began with a certain optimism i asked them about how the war in ukraine and the sanctions against russia will affect indian economy whether the election results from five states will further hit markets and also about the effect of all this on the government's plans for this year you know the rupee is at 76 to the dollar today and and some days ago uh, it had breached 77 is there is there a, a benchmark it will not cross reserve bank of india has always maintained that it has no exchange rate in mind when it's uh, looking at policy as a whole but it's definitely against volatility in the market for example when the rupee is depreciating if i am an exporter and i have sold goods and i have received dollars i may not bring it into the country thinking that when the rupee goes to 80 rupees a dollar then i can be changing it into rupees 
So this itself exacerbates the position because the supply which should have come in doesn't come in because it's delayed. Similarly, importers in that in this kind of a scenario get a bit panicky and they tend to rush forward and buy the dollars, even though they don't require it today because they think that the rupee is going to depreciate further. So this is what I call the speculative element, which is what the RBI would like to control. But so therefore, we cannot say what could be the right value of the rupee dollar. To my mind, I think a rate of around 75.5 to 76 looked to be a fair enough rate before the war started. But once the normalcy comes back, we could be looking at a number closer towards, say, 76 or so. What we have seen is that the Reserve Bank of India had a kind of a premonition that there could be a problem coming in. And that's one of the reasons why we saw that they actually had a swap arrangement where they sold $5 billion to the banks. Like the world, India was just emerging from the pandemic and there were talks of V-shaped recovery, W-shaped recovery. How do you think this is going to set recovery back? We recently had the budget. Uh, how do you see it impacting the kind of the, uh, the proposal to boost infra, etc.? Do you see that taking a hit? The direct impact on GDP growth will actually not be very significant. Because if I look at the components of growth, which is consumption, investment, government expenditure and trade. India doesn't really export too much of too many commodities to Russia. We import more than we export. So prima facie, it looks like that our economy, our overall consumption investment pattern should not be affected. But I think on account of this much higher inflation, I think that is something which is going to come in the way of future consumption. I mean, today we are saying that uh, there is not enough consumption which is taking place, but investment is coming to a certain extent from the government. We do not see enough consumption. The moment we have higher inflation, my real consumption power comes down. Households will tend to spend more on necessities, pay higher prices for it. As I pay more price for fuel, automatically I have less money to, to spend on other uh, items. And the overall degree of uncertainty itself will make sure that people consume less. So that's how I think that the growth process will be impacted because once consumption gets timed, automatically there's a case of saying that investment will also not pick up. But overall, I will not think that will be very, very significant in the sense that if I'm talking, say, of the Indian economy growing by, say, around 8% on account of all these disturbances, because I would tend to believe that by the end of March, the war should actually end physically at least. I should tend to think that, that growth could be impacted maybe by around 0.2, nothing more than that. That is, we're saying that another six months or so post the war ending, we should be getting back closer towards the normal. As far as the government is concerned, I would actually tend to think that the government will be a bit more proactive. They will probably expedite most of their uh, expenditure plans. And some indications have been given it that from April 1st onwards, the government will be spending on the CapEx plans to make sure that the economy gets the right boost at the right time. However, Shrugata Ghosh cautions that any recovery that comes without a rise in personal consumption, especially rural consumption, could be meaningless in the long term. Two things uh, would matter a lot. One is the informal uh, unorganized sector. And the other, which is slightly overlapping with the first, is the rural demand. One of the reasons why the consumption is slowing down is because of the weakness in the rural demand. Multiple factors have added to kind of bring down or soften the rural demand. Unless rural demand picks up and the informal sector, which took the first blow during Demon, and secondly, during the pandemic, and in adjustments uh, with the GST regime, stands on its legs, we won't get back our consumption story. And that's the biggest story in India. We must have a grip on consumption. 
Mm. Otherwise, uh, the rest of the things don't add up. There's a lot of chatter about rising inflation. How big a worry is this, and how sticky can this turn out to be? There are two kinds of inflation. One is the inflation which economists talk about, the policymakers, central banks talk about, and another inflation which you and I face uh, when we step out to buy something. Now, as far as inflation is concerned, which is the rate of price rise, that may go up or go down. For instance, if uh, this uh, the war-like situation or a full-blow war continues and crude stays say around ninety hundred or a little above 100 hmm. for the next six, seven months, we are in for serious trouble uh, as far as inflation goes. But uh, suppose it peters out in the next three months, and if the inflation comes down, it doesn't mean the absolute price levels will also come down. Because the retail prices, once they go up, the hmm. MRTs, they don't come down too easily. And even if they do come down, they don't come down to the extent uh, they had risen. So uh, a higher price level is something that uh, the Amjanta has to live with. We have also seen the US imposing sanctions, very stringent sanctions on Russia, including, of course, Russian banks. How does this make things tough for India? So it makes things tough for almost uh, all countries. Anybody who has any kind of a trade relationship or any relationship with Russia. For India, the overall trade is around $10 billion. So it may not be a large amount, but definitely at the micro level, given the fact that quite a few of our exporters are actually uh, SMEs and who, for whom their markets have been geared towards Russia, payments are definitely an issue. So I think the onus is really on the government and the RBI to work out some kind of a mechanism since we have officially taken a neutral stance, political stance on this particular issue. So we could probably continue with the trade, but we'll have to ensure that the payments take place for which we need to actually ascertain what should be the ideal rupee-ruble exchange rate. But it's not an easy thing because we don't really have a ready reference rate. Shugata points to another problem that these sanctions cause, which is a risk of future sanctions on Indian banks that are used to carry out these trades. What does sanction mean? Sanction means that after March 26th, many Mm. banks in Russia will not be able to deal with U.S. banks. They will not be able to have an account with an U.S. bank. Now, when we trade with Russia, we trade in dollars. We export goods and we receive dollars. When Russia sends us arms or fertilizers, we have to pay in dollars. Yes. Now, if the Russian bank, which is under sanction, uh, cannot receive deal, dollars, cannot deal in dollars, in that case, you have to choose another Russian bank which is not under sanction. Now, over a period of time, if the war continues, then more Russian banks can come under this. So India will uh, have to think of a rupee-ruble trade. While this is a feasible mechanism, simply because the India-Russia trade, the magnitude is not very high, you can still do it. But it adds another complication, which uh, central bank, uh, the large banks are not talking about it, but that's a lurking fear, is that if you set up an alternative mechanism to deal with Russia, how will it go down among the major powers? 
Russia is very different from Iran. Even countries like Singapore uh, have uh, imposed sanctions. So if you set up this rupee-rupee mechanism, bypassing the, uh, the world payments corridor, will it be viewed as a ploy to sidestep this entire sanction? And will that mean a retaliation on Indian banks? If you see, State Bank has come and said that, uh, look, we are not dealing with any of the sanctioned entities. In the Indo-Iran trade, the designated bank was Yuko Bank. Huh? Because Yuko Bank didn't have any branch in US. So Yuko uh, is already a pariah when it comes to international banking. State Bank has, can't afford to do that. It has dollar bonds. It has thousands of exporters who are sending money to the US. So many people borrow from uh, uh, US in dollars uh, on their state bank account. So state bank just can't afford to uh, kind of antagonize the US uh, regulatory authorities. If you remember 20 years ago, uh, the state bank New York branch faced a cease and desist order. It could not function for uh, about a year or more than a year simply because there was some minor trade with a with an entity which was uh, linked to Iran trade. If they do a rupee-rubel trade, they'll have to find someone like Yuko. Yuko is possibly the natural choice because it has already handled that kind of a trade in settlement in local currencies with mm. Iran. Mm. Uh, so you can, there is no problem in setting up that corridor. The problem is afterwards. How would that corridor be perceived by the US and EU authorities? their regulators, their central bank, their governments. What are the indications that you will be looking for in the coming weeks to understand how good or bad things are? A, when does the war end? And B, at, at what level do the Western countries or those who are against Russia actually stop this business of further sanctions on Russia. Only then can we can we be certain that things could probably start returning to normalcy. And we've also seen that uh, Russia, on its on its part, is also taking certain punitive action against multinationals which are in in Russia. So therefore, I think it could get much messier in case the situation carries on for more than a week or two. Shugata Ghosh says that in the near term, the biggest concern will be the fuel prices and also the crucial state poll results that could dictate future government policy. The biggest thing is the fuel price, then imports of goods, the commodity prices, edible oil, which is already visible because of the rise in sunflower oil, other edible oil prices are going up. While our imports may go up simply because of higher uh, fuel prices, oil prices across the world, our exports may not uh, go up because of war, trade disruptions, there is a general risk of, and when these things happen, people spend less. I mean, uh, the private sector doesn't invest. Everything is left to the government. Even if the government spends, the crowding in of private investment doesn't happen. Today, which is March 10th, closer home, we have the election results out. Do you see the outcome impacting markets or the economy uh, in the foreseeable future? Well, uh, a widely shared perception as far as the exit polls also that BGP would be winning uh, UP. Now, if if anything other than that happens, if there is a setback mm. in UP, 
then I would say all bets are off because immediately the market will turn volatile. There will be all kinds of speculation. If there is a setback in UP, I will not be surprised if the central bank, uh, central government thinks about a midterm stimulus, which would mean uh, more borrowing by the government. Mm. The government has to spend more money. And there will be an overall political uncertainty, which would add to the already uncertain market due to the war. Today's episode is produced by Arun George and Sunai Marathi. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We are available on TOI+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, reach us at toipodcasts at timesinternet.in.